Hello, everyone. This is Karin Takar, and welcome to the Zenergy podcast. Over the past decade, India has done an impressive job of integrating renewable energy into its energy mix. For this Fulbright podcast series, I sought to investigate the enabling factors and potential of India's global leadership in renewable energy with the focus on solar. This Fulbright series is broken down into four seasons. This season, we look at the next set of key technologies and regulations integral for unlocking India's continued renewable energy success at the system level. It includes conversations with leading regulators and thought leaders across energy management, storage, transmission, and distribution. In this episode, we will be speaking with Vibhav Newal, the co-founder of RE Connect Energy, which is one of India's largest providers of forecasting, scheduling, and advanced analytical services to the renewable energy sector. We discuss how the idea came about and the important factors that go into the calculations RE Connect carries out. I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation. Thank you, Mr. Naval, for participating in this interview. I really appreciate you taking the time. And for those listeners who may be unfamiliar with your work, could you briefly just introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Karan, for having me here. Uh, so I'm Vibhav Nawal. I'm co-founder of RE Connect Energy. Uh, at RE Connect Energy, we do a bunch of things. Uh, we provide technology focused on the energy and especially renewable energy sector. We use uh, AI, ML uh, techniques to uh, provide a, a variety of solutions, which includes forecasting, scheduling, uh, dispatch automation, uh, also working on asset monitoring, etc. So we work with a lot of asset managers for example, in India, as as they kind of operate their wind farms and solar farms. Uh, We also work with large transmission utilities and distribution utilities as as more and more uh, renewable energy is kind of uh, getting integrated into India. We play a big role in helping that with that integration. And I can talk about that in more detail as well. So we work with various uh, technology tools to kind of help the energy sector um, and especially renewable energy sector uh, perform better. Right. We also uh, um, we also are Rex traders. Uh, so we trade renewable energy certificates. It's a domestic uh, market in India, and we are the largest Rex trader in the country. Uh, again, I can talk about that more as we go along. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Thank you. And what what percentage would you say, if possible, um, to even determine this? Like, is your work focused on Rex trading versus? like helping integrate renewable energy? Well, over the years, um, our technology side practice has become much larger. So so we are probably 90% now a technology company uh, working much more on the on the uh, tech product side. Rex, uh, we, we still uh, play a big role in the Rex markets, though unfortunately, Rex markets themselves have not grown much uh, for various reasons. Uh, but, um, uh, but that has been, uh, Rex markets was started back in 2010. That's how we got started. Uh, but over the years, the, the capacities that have come into those markets has remained static, in fact, has gone 
down a little bit. Uh, and more recently, uh, various regulatory um, uh, challenges, various challenges in the courts have resulted in the markets kind of um, remaining stuck in a sense. They're not trading, for example, right now. Uh, but um, it's also, um, it's a market that's not been growing much. Why exactly is that? So, um, uh, so various reasons. Um, uh, Rex. So, so the genesis of Rex uh, in India has been uh, from the Electricity Act, which is the the fundamental uh, regulation or law, if you will, which governs the electricity markets. And one of the requirements in the Electricity Act is that states, so various uh, the states, will be required to mandate a percentage of renewable consumption from all consumers, right? Um, so um, as these laws were put in place, uh, one major challenge has been that enforcement has been pretty lax. So many states, in many states, we see that distribution companies and other consumers either do not uh, comply with these regulations uh, and regulators have kind of um, not really penalized uh, non-compliance. Fundamental reason for all of this comes back to uh, the issue that distribution companies are state-owned. Uh, they heavily subsidize electricity and as a result, they're just financially very weak. Um, so, you know, lack of compliance over a period of time has resulted in um, very little or, you know, marginal trades in the REX space. Um, they haven't grown as much as they should have. That's one reason. The other reason is that um, over over a period of time, India has had two parallel systems of and of developing or encouraging renewable energy projects to be set up. Um, so generally, one sees that renewable energy projects are either set up through a market based mechanism, say Rex, where the 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 premium, if you will, of green energy that renewable energy projects generate is paid through a market-determined price and a market-determined mechanism. And the other system is where this premium is paid through feed-in tariffs. Um, so India, till 2010 and even beyond, had a very strong feed-in tariff mechanism where states would determine the tariff, projects would be set up, and that tariff would be paid. That would be generally significantly higher than, say, coal-based or conventional energy. When the Rex markets came in, um, the market side was kind of expected to become the predominant method, but because of lax enforcement of regulation, the feed-in tariff mechanism continued. And as we, as we kind of went along over the years, the feed-in tariff mechanism changed into a reverse auction mechanism, but it still continues. Uh, and that remains the primary way in fact now the you know 95% i would say of projects come under still the reverse auction feed in tariff mechanism uh, so so as these two two systems have kind of gone remained in parallel uh, the market side of it has kind of fallen away if you will and as a result rex markets have also not grown i see thank you for expanding on that and mm -hmm. just to make sure that I'm understanding clearly. So with regards to the REC markets, for example, if over time the government has required like states to purchase a certain amount of renewable energy, mm -hmm. and if a state 
has not integrated that much renewable energy into their own system, then they can go into the rec market and buy the remaining balance or the gap between how much renewable energy they have and how much they're required by the federal government to integrate in their state. So they go to the rec market to fill that gap. And accordingly, the demand for the recs will then dictate the price. Is that essentially how overall the system is supposed to work? That's that's broadly correct. The only uh, difference is that while the federal regulation mandates requiring uh, what is called RPO regulations or renewable purchase obligations, it's really states that actually set up these regulations. Um, so it's, uh, it's let's say, the state of Madhya Pradesh or the state of Ma- Maharashtra can mandate its own RPO percentages or requirements. So, so Maharashtra can mandate, as an example, 10% of all energy consumed within Maharashtra needs to be from renewable energy, while Madhya Pradesh can mandate a, a different percentage. So the state governments or the, the state electricity regulators are actually the, the people who mandate or the, or the institutions who mandate these percentages and consumers within that state. So the state distribution companies or the utilities within the state and other consumers, uh, large industrials or uh, or companies that purchase power from the uh, exchanges, uh, power exchanges, etc., are then required to meet those um, uh, percentages. So that's how the uh, regulations are set up. And you're right about how then the price is discovered. So, um, so if there is a difference between what the percentage of consumption needs to be and what the uh, consumer, uh, you, the, the distribution utility or, or large industrial has met, then the difference needs to be filled by buying RECs on the exchanges. Uh, these have traditionally traded within uh, certain price bands, which are set up by the regulator. Understood. Essentially, if I'm understanding correctly, the reason that the REC market has not really been that active is because the states themselves are not enforcing RPO compliance upon the state-run distribution companies because one reason is the distribution companies themselves do not have the adequate liquidity to be able to go into the rec market and meet those RPO obligations. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's right, yes. So so the, the state regulators are also tasked with enforcing these regulations. But we have seen actually that most state regulators have been pretty lenient on enforcing. Uh, we have seen instances of these, regu- you know, the, the mandates getting rolled forward. There's actually been in the last 10 years or 11 years, not a single instance where penalties for non-compliance have been imposed and collected. Uh, so, you know, overall, the, the kind of enforcement uh, mechanism is is very uh, ineffective, if you will. Uh, and yes, the primary reason for this is that the um, the regulators also kind of need to look at uh, the financial situation of the distribution company. Uh, and in most states, the distribution company is essentially bankrupt, right? So they don't have money to buy uh, renewables uh, 
beyond what they already do and and whatever they do is uh, still fairly um is is just driven by what you know each each utility kind of decides whatever best they can do uh, but don't really necessarily follow the mandated um uh, percentages understood and yeah thank you for clarifying upon that and i actually just did see um as i was preparing for this interview that the up electricity regulatory commission i think just like either today or within the last few days has asked the up power corporation limited to deposit 73 billion rupees i assume in a regulatory okay. fund did you did you see this development yes yes and that's quite interesting right that you bring it up it is a really large number like it would add up to i would say close to a billion dollars uh, of of you know um monies to be deposited for non compliance with rpo regulations uh, so it's a large number uh, it's also an interesting development my my sense so it's it's something to watch uh, but my sense again is that you know uh, we are probably going to see uh, further you know fights around this in the courts and really actually i'm i'm pessimistic about how much this money will really be deposited um, partly because you know um uh, a, a, a lot of utilities up included i don't think the utilities have um the capacity to really pay this out and also one must keep in mind that all util all state run utilities um are not only are they are they bankrupt they're also driven by or run by um you know the the political and bureaucratic setup um so within within that confines i see it really difficult to uh, uh i i don't see how this money will actually or this penalty will really you know translate into uh, money's being deposited or finding its way into the into the recs or the renewable markets if you will understood Yeah I guess we have to keep our eyes on that development. Mm-hmm. Yes it will be interesting to see how that develops. Absolutely. Because that could potentially be a very symbolic kind of measure in terms of reflecting that maybe states are becoming more strict or even supportive of renewable energy integration into their own portfolios mm-hmm. that fair to say yes i mean if it if it um kind of reaches to its logical conclusion in in the sense that even if that penalty uh, is is just a way to kind of highlight the issue and results in actual compliance uh, that will still be a good significant win i would say because we've seen penalties being imposed in the past uh, but not really going anywhere in terms of the utilities actually paying uh, or uh, changing their behavior significantly so if it does if it does really result in you know real change that will be that will be good and and uh, will be worth keeping an eye on so what is the reason for why state distribution companies or utilities are not able to meet their rpo targets at a time 
when often renewable energy is more economical to integrate at the LCOE level. What are your thoughts around why like distribution companies are are not meeting these targets? Right. That's um um uh you know a, that's an interesting question, especially because you mentioned that it's now a lot more economical. Um, you know, recent uh, recent bids and recent kind of tariffs are really low and and well below coal based coal based power prices. Right. I think there are a bunch of reasons. Uh, one is that. Uh, while a lot of the new renewable capacities, more recent bids have come out at a very low price, there is still a fair amount of legacy uh, projects which are at a higher price. So it's not uncommon to see projects in Maharashtra or Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, which are traditionally uh, where large capacity was exists, have existed, uh, to see tariffs in the range of, say, 5 rupees or 4.5 rupees per unit, uh, which is still definitely higher than coal-based prices. So there is a, a large legacy um, uh, kind of projects which are r- relatively expensive. Uh, the lower cost ones are new. A lot of them are yet to be set up. Um, so... so uh, Hopefully, what that means is that down the road, uh, we should see uh, a more openness from utilities to procure uh, renewable power. The other aspect has been, um, uh, there are two two other aspects, I feel. One is that there is a lot of kind of state mindset, if you will. Um, I have seen that as we have interacted with a lot of utilities that why should I pay for power which is generated in another state, especially when it comes to REC, because there is this thinking that uh, what what is being paid for is is for paper only if you will or notional i'm not, uh, the, the the utility manager thinks of it as i'm not actually getting i'm not getting actual power i'm paying for something which is notional and that too outside my state so why should i do that especially because there's no consequences there's no penalties right so that's been kind of one aspect uh, and the other has been uh, there is wide disparity between uh, what 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 traditionally been known as renewable energy rich state uh, so a lot of while india has a very large uh, base of renewables a lot of it is concentrated in a handful of states wind especially is mostly western states they have traditionally been known as re rich states um, it's a function of resources uh, so some states, coastal states, especially around the western side, uh, have had very good wind resource, uh, but also because they've had good wind resources or renewable resources in the past, their policies uh, traditionally have been more conducive to putting up renewable assets. So even though solar assets are uh, solar resources are probably more evenly distributed across the country, we still see most capacity coming in states like Gujarat, Maharashtra, Rajasthan, traditionally RE rich state. Uh, uh, and so there is this element of, you know, um, uh, electricity markets and electricity regulations, are state regulations. And so there is this element of, you know, why should I go outside my state? I'm buying a utility manager thinking, I'm buying everything that's in my state. I don't really need to do more than this. Uh, and there is no consequence of it. To, to not meeting RPOs. So you see this wide disparity between states uh, where some states are kind of exceeding what they need to do uh, while others not doing anything. That's that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is that co- there is wide disparity in consumption. 
a good example is you know delhi is a very small almost urban state with very high consumption but almost no renewable resource within its boundaries uh, while rajasthan is a very large state with lower consumption uh, and so interstate markets have only just especially for renewables have only just started to take off and uh, we haven't seen a lot of that interstate markets existing between state boundaries uh, so that has been a constraint in the past as well when you refer to interstate markets is is that are you talking about like the real time power mar- trading platform which i remember i think got launched last summer if mm-hmm. i'm not mistaken is that what you're referring to when you're talking about an interstate market or could you um expand on this term right so so i'm not just talking of that in fact what i'm talking about is the ability for uh, let's say take an example a wind farm in gujarat to sell power um to the state of delhi a utility in delhi right so so that has been only only in recent years these kind of transactions have they have always been technically possible but regulations haven't supported it you know costs around deviation settlements at the state level at this uh, or costs of transmission uh, have been exorbitantly high in the past more recently last few years interstate wind or solar transmission has been made free if you will uh, by the by the central central regulatory commission so that has helped but also uh, uh, while in this example selling a, a wind farm selling power to a utility in another state say delhi is possible it's actually still not possible for a for a large industrial say in uttar pradesh to buy power from a wind farm in gujarat lots of constraints around permissions uh, open access as it's called so per, open access permissions lots of constraints around transmission costs so that market uh, of you know producing power in what should be the least cost location renewable power to its least cost location to a consumption center especially at a uh, individual consumer level a large industrial so a, a cement plant or a or a steel plant in in bihar or jharkhand buying power from a wind farm in gujarat or maharashtra still does not exist uh, and that's really the interstate market that i've i'm talking about can a state just come in like up for example given the current regulatory climate by power from a solar or wind farm in rajasthan yes that's enabled uh, both from a regulations perspective and also because intermediaries like seki or or uh, other other intermediaries kind of sit in between and are able to manage and de-risk these transactions uh, but mostly regulate right uh, mostly regulatory reasons is where distribution co- utilities can buy such power but not individual consumers like uh, large factories or, or large consumers i think it would be nice to like ask you one final question to conclude what does the future of the indian electricity system look like in your mind uh, that's um, that's interesting current so i think the future looks um, um something like this right uh, i do feel that all future uh, capacity growth will come uh, through renewables uh, i think there is very little appetite for 
coal based plants not just uh, for for all 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 reasons around climate change but also because solar and wind can really now price out have really already priced out coal based plants uh, so so we'll see a lot more renewables uh, we will also see a lot more of smarter grid integration so for example uh, you know um, uh, renewables along with say wind and solar hybrids or solar and storage like you mentioned etc so that's kind of one side of what um, and and much more digital in that sense because of this integration requirement and the flexibility requirements so that's kind of one side of how the future looks like i think the other very important uh, side of the, what the future looks like is uh, is a lot of smart metering something that we didn't talk about today but a lot of smart meters smart metering that utilities will implement potentially will also lead to reform of utilities that will be absolutely essential uh, that that utilities are reformed and and their financial situation improves uh, there has been a lot of talk about direct benefit transfer around subsidies so we should see uh, that but all of this uh, the underlying aspect of it will be uh, smart metering and smart 